What's up, former party people? This is Jerry, you know, the one who actually combs his hair on the A is for Alcoholic podcast. Now, if you're finding value in listening to the AIFA podcast every week and you want to support sharing it with others, we invite you to become a sustaining monthly or per show contributor. Go to patreon.com backslash AIFA. It's super easy and it only takes a quick moment. It's about as easy as buying one of those pre-cooked space chickens from the grocery store, taking it outside, giving it a big old kiss, and kicking it into traffic. <laughs> Why would you do that? Anyway, you do you, and I'll do me. Again, go to patreon.com backslash AIFA. And with that, people, let's start the show. A is for Alcoholic is a program about recovery. My name is John, and I'm an alcoholic. And my name is Jerry, and I'm an alcoholic. Join us as we go through the alphabet of alcoholism one letter at a time. Ah, welcome back to A is for Alcoholic. My name is John Staley. Yeah, I'm Jerry Wagner Jr. Yes. Esquire. And together we are A is for Alcoholic. Alcoholic, yep. Two two drunks on facetime <laughs> the, the voltron of podcasts yeah, yeah the pretty sober, much sober voltron of podcasts yeah mm-hmm. um real quick i want to talk about sponsors lots of um a couple other podcasts rashida and john we just put out a new episode um my girlfriend and i talk about health and wellness uh relationships and eating and dieting and exercising and all that fun stuff that hopefully goes along with getting sober. I mean, yeah. it doesn't for everybody, and it doesn't come right away. It took me three years to get my shit together of being sober. But it's a cool podcast. Um, the other one is Gluten Is Not Your Problem, which is a comedy podcast revolving around the restaurant business, food industry, service industry, that kind of stuff with our friend Walter. Um and we can say what we want about Walter since he doesn't listen to this podcast. But um, yeah, <laughs> this nice last overalls. Run... That's what it was. <laughs> yes, he had some overalls on. He was sick. He wasn't feeling well, so he just put on his overalls to go to the Isn't store. My... But the latest episode of Gluten is not your problem is um, Adrian's origin story. Do you remember Adrian? No, no, no. I'm nodding no, but yeah. Walter. Yeah, Walter was. Um, Walter was asked if he wanted to become a male dancer slash escort in his younger yes, years. Yes, you remember this guy? Uh, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. So he talks yeah. about his time doing that, or right. well, not doing that, or how how it came about and what happened. And he he tells the whole story about how he was at a bachelorette party and then got hooked up with somebody who wanted him to do more of these bachelorette parties. So. I gotta listen to this one now because he's never been forthcoming with those stories. I just remember being out with him drinking and him being like, "I'm doing this thing," and I'm like, "Bullshit, no, you're not." And he's mm-hmm. like, "Yeah, no, I'm doing this thing." And then I'd press him for details, and he would just change his subject or get weird about it. And so, well, he he definitely went into the details. There was some there were some details about some wet red yarn that was used to lash him with, and some other weird at the bachelorette party. I don't know. You just go listen to it. I'll go listen to it. Um, and then, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. He's lived an interesting life. So, uh, yeah. and our final um, sponsor is Green Camel Press. I sell greeting cards with Green Camel Press and my other partner. Uh, we make T-shirts, we make posters, we make labels, we do all kinds of cool stuff. I was out. I sold a bunch of greeting cards the other day. Um, I also 
uh, got an order in for Christmas cards. I know it's a little bit early to be thinking about Christmas, but if you want a special Christmas card, we have a couple of them that I think would be really great. So greencamelpress.com, greencamelpress.com, greencamelpress.com. Do you know, I was thinking if we were a sober Voltron, instead of having a sword, we could have nunchucks, and one nunchuck on one side would say, keep coming back, and the other nunchuck would say, it works. It works. Yeah. It works if you work it. Voltron nunchucks. You work it because you're worth it. Oh, and finally, today's episode is brought to you by the letter H. H. (laughs) Or as the Australians say, H. H. Do they? Mm -hmm. Yeah, the Australians say H. H. And I'm trying to think of, like, I don't have a lot of Australian context. I mean, except for, like, um, was it Claire on uh, Lost or Charlie? Oh, yeah. No, Charlie was an Australian. He was Irish. He was Irish. Claire was Australia. Yeah. No, I just I just watched a lot of YouTube YouTube videos of people playing video games, and a lot of them are Australian. Interesting. There's a big so, there's a big Twitch community in Australia. Apparently, and I'm watching it all like a grown ass man <laughs> sitting here. Hey, man, whatever keeps you sober, Jerry, for today. Yeah, this is me watching this dude play Rust all day. Yeah. If it's twitched out under, then that's fine. Yeah. Um. So H, I wanted to talk we wanted to talk to you about hubris and humility and um you know what the word uh, hubris means right did you uh yeah just looked it up right now what does it mean <laughs> i gotta open the phone back up oh no i forgot yeah um <clears throat> i think most people when i think of hubris um i'm often um reminded of the story of icarus right yeah right right yeah and icarus in i think it's greek mythology and it was him and his his um his father Daedalus and so Icarus they were making wings to fly mm-hmm. like with with wax and and bird's wings and the, this is obviously is a fable it's a story it didn't really happen but so he thought oh well I have these wax wings and my wings are the best wings in the world and I can fly higher and he flew too close to the sun and then what happened the wings melted in the sun and he par- he he fell to the to the ground so he fucking died he died, died. I think so. I, I, I assume so. I don't remember the whole rest of the myth, but our version he did. <clears throat> In our version, remix. Um, but right. what is what is the remix. hubris? <laughs> DJ Khaled remix. He did. <laughs> what is the uh, the dictionary definition of hubris? Uh, hubris, excessive pride or self confidence. Like I knew what the word was through context. So when you asked me, you kind of put me on the spot because I didn't mm. have the phone open. But mm-hmm. I just want to let everybody know that I know words. I'm yes. good at words. Yeah. You are. I just, you I are. just sometimes I know them through context. Yes, I, I agree. I'm the same way. Um, I think hubris, and in alcoholism, in my drinking, in in my time at the bar, in my in my time in my cups, like that idea of arrogance and being prideful, and I, I think that for me a lot of it came from insecurity. So it's it's being it's being overconfident for all the wrong reasons. Yeah. And so I would always overcompensate by being louder or more boastful or um, thinking I was funny and, you know, being this like big, huge character, you know? And um, it was definitely hubristic, my behavior, you know, at least. I'm, because inside I was, I was sad, I was insecure, I was afraid. But right, 
right. in drinking, I was able to um, to have this sort of persona. And that was definitely, you know, how many times <clears throat> did I let this pride keep me from uh, whether, like, even getting up early for, for something that I wanted to do, it was always thwarted because it would, it was like, well, I can stay up later. I can drink more. I can, you know, I can do this. I can do that. And, you know, are all the, a lot of the, what we call like barstool dreams where we just sit on the barstool and we talk about all the things we're going to do, man, and how great we are. And, and if we only had this, if we only had money, if we only had time, if we only had the right tools, man, we could do what they're doing that's that's nothing you know and so there's all this like boastful you know very prideful talk over very little substance for me you know that's yeah. that's that's yeah. what i look back on it you know um <clears throat> is just this history of of just being kind of an asshole and right. <clears throat> not even knowing it like thinking that i was a kind person thinking that i was a sweet guy and I think you know we talked about this earlier um, before we hit record and you said that you met you were talking with somebody you were in a group with somebody and they they didn't know drunk Jerry yeah and they said oh you know like uh, and you said you said that drunk Jerry was kind of an asshole yeah I said drunk Jerry sucked <laughs> <laughs> and the people who did know drunk Jerry said to you Ah, Drunk Jerry didn't suck that much. He was only... Drunk Jerry only sucked by drink number 9 or 10. And then he went, drink number 9 or 10. And I was like, yeah. Apparently, according to everybody around me, I was cool from drink 1 to one to 9. But then drink 9 till I fell asleep. I was an asshole. And he was like, well, when did you fall asleep? I'm like, I don't know. Drink 20? Mm-hmm. I don't know. You lose count at one point when the 5th is gone. And everybody's <laughs> mad at you for breaking shit or crying too much or whatever you were doing. Just stealing their booze or their... Yeah, yeah, so I think the hubris for me, I mean, even I I experienced a hubris even in recovery. I mean, it's I think it's just... It's just the fucking part of being a human, you know? It's just what you do with it, you know? Whether or not that... Because I feel like everybody does it. They have it, even if it's deep in their own head, there's that inner Mm -hmm. monologue that tells you you're better. You're terminally unique. That's what I really loved about that in the program. Oh, you think you're terminally unique when... Just like every other motherfucker sitting in here, you know, you may have a different set of circumstances that led you here, but we're all here, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So I think in my alcoholism, like in my active alcoholism, I don't know if I necessarily intentionally thought, like had intentional hubris where I was like, I'm the most important person. No, I definitely thought I was the most important person in the room. I just never thought like everybody <laughs> should be looking at me. But I'm also a guy who performed a lot. I was going like, to say. on stage a lot. So. You know, maybe it was just something I was unaware of in the moment or something I'm intentionally leaving out. I don't know. It's it's because I'm trying to think of examples of like me and my like my hubris nature, my arrogant nature, my conceited nature, because I can be very conceited, you know, even Mm -hmm. now. But back then, I think I don't know. I maybe I felt like when we were all together on our little little fucking uh, you know, our little Captain Jack special island out there in the bar, you know, before of us sitting at a table. And I used to always think, man, we are the most unique fucking people in this room. Like, we're the smartest people in this room. All these people are all just normal drunks. We happen to be like the four smartest fucking guys in here, you know. The smartest, funniest, best, you know, awesomest, coolest yeah. dudes yeah. 
and all the other all the other drunks at their little islands that were thinking mm-hmm. the same fucking thing you know yeah yeah um but i mean you you used to get up and do like poetry reads and stuff like that all the time yeah i mean there I'm, i imagine that there was a certain level of like arrogance that you you had to even even if you were faking it you had to put it on to get up there and and create this persona because as much as i knew i knew you and you would get up there and you would read these things and i was like yep that's totally jerry oh yeah he he's talking about fucking percocets and guns and lord of the rings or whatever yeah like but that wasn't you all the time no and that was so like you kind of had to put on this persona yeah and then yeah. people bought into it and people believed it. And I mean, I don't know if that ever fueled the, the flames of your ego for. You oh, know, yeah. Like... It made it much worse. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dude, the fucking late 90s, early 2000s were a time where my ass could get up there and read you a three minute poem about a fleshlight, you know, and people would be like, whoa, blown away. Like, that's fucking you're the fucking craziest dude I ever met, you know, but it's not like I'd be sitting with my mom and dad being like, let me tell you about the fleshlight, you know, mm-hmm. like. Or sitting with, like, your mom or sitting... You know what I mean? Like, I knew when to turn it on and off. But, yeah, that was definitely me strutting, strutting, and and my own ego and everything. And I think maybe that's why I'm so reluctant to do it now because I I don't know if that's a persona I can put back on now. I'm, like, a different person, you know? But I don't know. Who knows, man? But I I, I guess in active... But I also couldn't get on stage unless I was fucking lit, you know? Like, I couldn't do it dry. There's no yeah. way I could do that shit dry. Back then, I've done it since dry, and it was fucking terrifying. But <laughs> and you, but you haven't done it recently. No, not in no. not since early recovery. I think last time I was like not even a year yet. I was like nine months sober. Mm-hmm. I was just trying to find something to do that didn't involve me getting loaded, you know. But uh, I, 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 the hubris is a weird one because it's like as alcoholics, I think we have that really weird duality to ourselves, right? That hardcore insecurity that causes us to act out even though most even people who aren't alcoholics who are really insecure tend to act out the most you know Mm -hmm. they tend to have a higher sense of self-importance because of their insecurities they build up those parts of themselves they find the most talented to be bigger than everybody else because they feel like shit about everything else about themselves and so then you pour fucking alcohol on that and bam dude you know gas on a bonfire you know like a the the self-loathing narcissist yeah, and I think that's I, – I can't speak for every drunk out there, but I can speak for me and you. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. It's yeah. true. I think, yeah. um, you know, they say, too, uh, that hubris comes with oftentimes a certain level of success. And what I mean by this is that when you're successful at something – and let's just say that I'm, I was successful at drinking or I thought I was, right? Mm-hmm. It, there's, so there's this certain blindness that comes with it. When you do something and you do it really well and it's received really well, and so your your my ego would get stoked. I would, you know, people would want to like, hey, we're gonna go party and I'm gonna put together this thing and we're gonna go here and then we're gonna go there and we're gonna do this. And so then it became this thing where I thought that I was really good at it. And maybe there was a moment in time where putting together a good time was was something I was good at, but it would very quickly descend into I don't know, wheeling you around in an office chair that we found in an alley and fucking falling over and, you know, knocking shit over and taking my shirt off in a 
karaoke bar and spilling drinks at last call and all kinds of awful like really just boorish behavior and then yeah, thinking but you're it, making was... it sound like fun though yeah <laughs> well yeah i mean i i don't want to say it wasn't fun but also you know i don't know how many other people were affected how many people's nights did i fuck up you know? right and right and... i mean and once again that's the hubris part where you're just so self-absorbed into mm-hmm. your own thing and I was along for the ride, so I was so self-absorbed in our thing that I was just like, "Yeah, I'm gonna, yeah, fun. I'm gonna fucking yell in the middle of this guy singing karaoke and smoke in the bar, even though they told me I couldn't." And mm-hmm. you know, and and it's like, how many other people were just trying to have a good night? And you know, say what you will about you know people hanging out at the Comet Tavern on fucking Tuesday, but like, it's not all about me, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, but right. I thought it was. Mm-hmm. And so there's that blindness that comes with it. And I, I think that um, in early recovery as well, I constantly had to remind myself, um, you know, the, you don't you don't you don't got this right all, all the time because it was easy to be like, well, I've quit this. I've quit things before and I can quit this and I got this figured out. And, oh, OK, no, I'm fine, man. I don't need to. I don't need to further the introspection. I don't need to figure out, you know, what's wrong with me and what it takes to fix it. I don't need to to be open, to be vulnerable, to be, um, I just need to quit drinking, right? As long as I quit drinking and then everything will be fine. Then it'll, so, all, it'll all work out. <laughs> it'll old all, Gil. Uh, that's it. It'll just- it'll Old just, Gil, get a sale. Mm-hmm. It, it'll all just work out. and. Lo and behold, very quickly, I come to find out that there's like this mountain to be moved inside of me. Yeah, <laughs> you know, absolutely, just, yeah. just to get, mm-hmm. just to get where I'm at now, and there's that blind spot again. So it it then it, it wasn't just about the alcohol; it was all these other things that I had set in motion, set put in place, all these other systems of emotional protection, and um, you know, just. Uh, just ways of living that allowed me to be the center of the universe and therefore everything and everyone else was here to serve me. So it it was still that way in early recovery. I was still, I still felt like, and my, my social circle had gotten very small in, in early recovery. So there weren't too many people to manipulate, but I could certainly like manipulate Oh, how people perceived me at a meeting or, um, you know what I mean? Or how people perceived me at work Mm -hmm. or, you know, I could talk a really good game about how my recovery is going. It's going really well. Now I'm great, man. I'm great. I got it. Yeah, it's great. And then inside I'm like fucking dying. Right. Cause all I want to do is drink. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that, uh, overcoming that. And also reminding myself that what else am I blind to? So if I was blind to that, like what are what are the other things currently as good as I feel, as successful as I feel as a person, what else am I blind to that needs looking at, that needs repair, that needs maintenance, that needs to be open to that idea? I was never open to that idea when I was drinking, and I wasn't necessarily, I certainly wasn't open to it when I first got sober. Mm-hmm. I think I told you this when I first got into the program, it was like, 
I'm going to see if this is good for me. I'm going to see if this is going to work for me. It was like this right. investigation. Like, I don't trust any of this shit. So right. I'm going I'm to do it, but I'm going to do it like like I'm trying to figure out what's wrong with it. Right. 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 You're like a Geraldo Rivera on that motherfucker. <laughs> trying exactly. to figure out yeah, how the yeah. program's going to do you wrong. Exactly. You know? And so instead of looking for what was gonna, how it was going to do me right, I was looking for how it was going to do me wrong. Yeah. And so that's hubris. That's, that's absolutely totally. hubris. Yeah. So it didn't matter that I had removed the alcohol from my system. It was still these, you know, and I don't, I don't want to quote the program too much, but you know, they talk about these, we'll just say, you know, uh, character defects or these personality traits that were no longer serving me. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the whole process of introspection, I think was to me, most important in combating that hubris that I lived with and curated for so long. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, how did you feel? You know, you talk about feeling pretty broken in the, when you first got, um, when you first quit drinking and you first got into the program and stuff like that, was there a pink cloud period and, or a period where you were like, yeah, man, I fucking finally got this. No, <laughs> you know it's funny i've been thinking about this like the idea of uh arrogance or, or uh, conceitedness or hubris or the opposite being humility but you know it was that my whole thinking with alcohol had changed from i deserve this i'm having a good time you know that ego and that sense of um uh, arrogance that i have worked hard enough to earn these drinks or to get drunk tonight i earned it i earned it and then that over time that switch was like totally slowly turning like a volume knob, you know, where it turned into, uh, I can't stop because I'm scared of what'll happen when I stop, you know. So it turned into I deserve this, turned into I need this, I need this to continue functioning, mm -hmm. or it's gonna get really fucking bad. And the internet mm -hmm. didn't help because then I looked up all the withdrawal symptoms on the internet, and it stirred up was like you're gonna have a seizure and fucking die, and I'm like great. <laughs> I don't want to have a seizure and fucking die. Like, I finally want to get sober. I want to live. Do you know what I'm saying? So now me quitting alcohol is going to kill my ass, like, for fucking real, you know? Um, so that hubris turned in, like, turned into um, humiliation pretty quickly. It turned into desperation. But when I mm -hmm. first went in those rooms, I, you know, I don't remember having a pink cloud. I think I finally felt better at one point where I felt physically better. Like I wasn't sick all the time. I wasn't hungover all the time. I didn't have a headache all the time. I didn't have fucking, you know, the runs all the time. I didn't feel like I was crawling out of my own skin. I didn't feel like crying every 20 minutes, you know? And, and when I hit that plateau, that first plateau of like my body finally flushing out all those toxins and now it's time to get to work on the actual uh, psychological aspect of what drew me into that, you know? I don't know if there there might have been a tiny pink cloud in there, but all I remember in early recovery is just a lot of fear and a lot of desperation and a lot of like, don't fuck this up, don't fuck this up. You can't fuck this up. This is like your last chance, you know. I'm a, I'm really big. I when I was drinking, I was really big on um, ultimatums to myself. You know, I would tell myself, well, if I go to the hospital again, hurt, then I got to go to AA. You know, I've probably told that story before about how I busted my head open plugging in a laptop in front of Megan I split my head of my eye my um forehead open on a dresser and I come around the corner and I'm bleeding everywhere I'm like holding this flap of skin bag it was this tiny little flap but I'm holding it back and I 
pull my hand away and I'm like, is it bad? And blood just poured all down the side of my face. And Megan's like, we got to go to the hospital. And I was like, nope, because if I go to the hospital, it's be the third time I've injured myself really badly drunk. And that means I got to go to AA. Right. So I had all these rules for myself constantly. That was a lot of my alcoholism was rules. Like was the no rule drinking. three times or was three it three times? <laughs> okay. Three times. If I had to go to the hospital three times, so this would have been my third visit to the hospital. The first two, I broke my hand in a bar one night really drunk. I like pretty much trashed a bar and I'm surprised they didn't kill my ass. And the second time I broke the shit out of my leg really drunk. Right. Mm-hmm. So I was like, this is number three, man. I'm gonna have to go to AA, you know? And uh, I think, I don't know where I was going with that, but I did have a lot of ultimatums, I think. And even in recovery, I, I gave myself a lot of ultimatums at first. Like, this is it. Like, this is your last chance. That's the point I was trying to make. Is in early recovery, I kept telling myself, if I went back out, I wasn't coming back. That was it. Like, bye, Megan, bye, Olive, bye, everybody, I'm done. This is it. I'm just gonna fucking see what happens. And hopefully, it's not too painful when it's done. Like, literally, that was literally what I was thinking. If I go back out, I'm back out. Like, I'm not coming back, you know? You just I don't feel that way now. No. I don't feel that way now, but I don't have any plans to go back out. I don't even think, I. you know, I mean, there's it's it sits in your head, man. We're alcoholics. Like, it never, mm-hmm. like, I say it all the time. And I, I feel like, for me personally, it didn't go away entirely. It still sits in my head. You know, the other day I walked by that stupid fucking bar again, and this drunk lady was out smoking, and, I might have talked about this in the last podcast, and she looked over me and went, whoa, nice hair. Did I tell this story already? <laughs> no, this lady's no. like, whoa, nice hair. She's sitting out there smoking. She you know, sees my hair, and I'm like, I'm walking to go get like rice. And I'm like, thank you. You know, I look her in the eyes and say, thank you, because it's a nice compliment. Thanks. So, you know, cool. And she's like, you got a good vibe, buddy. She's like, you got a good vibe. And then like got up to go to the bar and like held the door open. Like I was going to follow her into the bar and I just kept walking past her. You know, I didn't say a word. I just kept walking past her and she shut the door. And I remember thinking like that alcoholic part of my brain was like, what if you followed her in there and had a drink? I was like, you got 40 bucks in your pocket. You could get fucking loaded on 40 bucks right now because you haven't had a drink in five years. I was going to say, especially now. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I'm Um. not going to lie. That part of my brain, did it scream it? No. Did it whisper it in the back of the room? Yeah. Did I want to do it? No. But I. But it's still there. I can't deny that. I can never deny that. That it will. I don't know if it'll always be there. If it goes away, good for me. If it doesn't, good for me because I get to learn how to live with it. You know, and and be strong and persevere over that shit. You know. So. Yeah. Part of me hopes it doesn't go away. I need to remember, dude. Yeah. Yeah. Tattoo yeah. it right. Tattoo yeah. it. Tattoo it on your brain. That's what Jerry told me in the first like week or two that i was getting sober that i got sober i said bitch tattoo it on your brain bitch yeah bitch (laughs) but you know like the uh no like you like you were saying the little the little voice that's there and the little voice that's there and you know i think about relapsing i don't think about doing it i think about it as a concept right yes and i've I've mentioned it a couple times like i would love to talk about it but i don't feel on the podcast as as like an episode but I don't feel I have too much, you know, neither of us have any experience with relapse and, you know, not with relapse. On wood. We have tons of experience <laughs> with drinking, but not so, with relapse. Yeah. So, you know, like I, I, I think that that voice is important still. If it's there for, if it's there, then there's a reason it's there. And, you know, there's a reason why at least once a week I, you know, like to go to a room with a bunch of people who are alcoholics and talk about alcohol <laughs> or, you know, the right, effects of it. Right. 
I'm, I'm oversimplifying. I'm being reductive, but you know, it's it's um it's it's what it's what I do. It's what we do, right? And so right. Um, but that little voice that that makes me think like when I'm in the grocery store and all the shiny bottles and and mostly I just kind of laugh and I go, oh boy, that's I remember yeah, so I used do I. to do, you know, yeah. Oh man, Grand Marnier, like ugh, or you know, yeah, well, that's just funny that the uh, whatever it is, I don't know, I don't, I don't right. have any good Grand examples. Grand Marnier, <clears throat> oof. I don't know. There, there was yeah, a bottle that of Grand Marnier, and it was like, yeah, Grand Marnier like syrupy and sweet. And, and but I am finally to the point where I've gotten like the shivers from thinking about drinking, and so it's like, okay, things must be going in the right direction. So in another, oh, the idea of it kind of grosses you out a little just bit. Like, yeah. yeah, a little bit. Like there was something somebody was saying or something about a drink or something like that. I don't know if they were talking about. You. It wasn't like a good shiver. No, it wasn't, it wasn't like, a good ooh, shiver. It was fucking like Christmas in July. Yeah. <laughs> Jaeger milkshakes or something. I was like, oh, oh my God. You know, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but I think that that is where um, using not humiliation, because humiliation and that gift of desperation that you talk about was another right. thing that was so important for me to just finally feel out of fucking luck that that it was, you know, what did you say? The nuclear option? It's like, right. mm-hmm. there's, there's no, this is not like, oh, I'm just going to try and test it out. And, and even my little, you know, Geraldo Rivera bit about trying to like, just, I'm just going to do my little Woodward and Bernstein on this and figure out what's really going on with AA, you know? But right. it was this, like, I'm finally crushed. I'm finally done. I'm finally right. over. I mm-hmm. fucking, I can't do it anymore. I mean, I could do it for one more day, but it's, I know, I know exactly what the hell feels like. And I don't want to, I don't want to feel like hell anymore. Right. I, I don't think, I don't think that I can take one more night. And right. that's why I quit. So that, that humiliation, whether it was from, well, there was, there was a lot of things, you know, whether it was, you know, past relationships, work relationships, um, family, um, even just in myself and the things that I had done, like looking at your bank account <laughs> and knowing that you yeah. had done that, that, that shame, you know, yeah. of, of, of going back to a bar for my credit card and knowing that like I had, Shit, yeah, dude. you know, oh, like dude, leaving the credit card at the bar. That's when mm-hmm. I, I was like, wow, I am fucking up. Like, mm-hmm. I because... should know this. I'm an insider, John. I'm not one of these fucking <laughs> plebes walking around in the street. Exactly. I know bartenders. I'm best friends with bartenders. I've I'm one of the after hours dudes. I don't mm-hmm. do that shit. You know, like. And then you do anyway, and you're right. Just like there's my fucking hubris, right? Like I am bar royalty. Do you know who I am? Right. That's another. That's another one that I I didn't I didn't think about. But yes, you used to joke, and Jerry had this nickname for me because in the neighborhood in Seattle where I lived and worked. I knew all the bartenders and all the wait staff and we would go drinking and Jerry lived a little bit north of there, right? So he would like yeah. catch a cab down and we would just be like, Yeah, we're gonna go out drinking and so he'd be like, John, you're the fucking smoking Pope of Ballard. And so yeah. we would just walk, walk around up shaking the- <laughs> hands all night, you know, like and it, and it would get annoying. It's like, Jesus, can't we just go get drunk somewhere, John? And I was right. like, look, man, did you get a fucking free round? So just shut your mouth, you know? And right, so, you're like, like, yo, we got to go to fucking Himalaya to go get, you know, like some fucking bar with some stupid Seattle name. Like, we got to go to the Himalaya fucking flip-flops and talk to, <laughs> uh-huh. we got to go talk to Jeevan because Jeevan's going to hook us up with some fucking old Chamucos. And I'm like, 
I just want to shot Evan Williams and not to feel like me anymore. Like I don't need to mm-hmm. shake this motherfucker's hand and right. So that was the you're thing. like, look, the the toothpicks are bamboo, and I'm like, I don't give a fuck, like. Right? So but yes, that yeah. was that was that was a huge part of my hubris when I was drinking was feeling right. important and feeling and knowing people was really important to me. And it, one of the things that was scary when I moved away was knowing that I left this entire what I thought was this network of friends and colleagues and 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 connections and coming to realize that the friends, the colleagues and the connections and I won't say all of them because I still have some people who I've met there who are truly great friends and truly great yes. people who, and who uh-huh. I still, you know, I still connect with and talk to and am eternally grateful to know them. But 99% of those connections were just people who were excited to see me spend some money and yes. maybe, maybe like make their night not so boring. Right. right. Because you're going to do the John show. Yeah. Hey, yeah. You know, and mm-hmm. so that that level of hubris like i fed off of that that was that was almost more i well it wasn't more exciting than getting drunk right. but it was it was definitely a huge part of this like going out and knowing why, people why why did you leave seattle for <clears throat> napa like for real though like i know you're like oh i got offered this good job but then you left i like you weren't doing too bad in seattle either though i was doing well that and that's the thing is i was i was really unhappy with my job and i was right. i had this i had the mm. it was the cycle of go to work work really hard drink all week while mm-hmm. i was working and then drink all weekend and be broke and have to go and redo all make all that money back you know right so yeah. That, oh yeah i know and i hated the job and i got offered this job and so it was it wasn't just that, but there was a part of me that was like, it just felt like there's this is an opportunity and I need to leave. And I think, I, you know, I I don't know that it's like explicitly was a geographical move to get away. That's from my, my next question was was it a geographical? Yeah, I don't think explicitly. I think maybe subconsciously there was like, if I leave, things will get better. If I go somewhere, things will get better. And mm-hmm. ultimately, they did not. At least not in the first, you know five years but (laughs) um they just got worse yeah but um all that like excitement was 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 really hollow and these people i don't want to say they weren't kind people or they didn't care about me but i knew that on the other side of the bar being behind the bar when i would see certain people i was like oh here comes that fucking joker he's he's good for 20 40 bucks tonight i'll slip a few free drinks he'll fucking you know be an asshole for a little while right. and then he'll might get some, some money. free coke or something yeah. exactly so that that's definitely something that was was really big and i i imagine that a lot of people felt that i mean you had your you had your crowd and eugene and people you knew and you could go and like what was it you they would um it was you did you tell me you used to drink for free you would like draw and they would just give yeah. you drinks if you would yeah. draw yeah <laughs> Yeah, I got a job at uh, this bar that's closed now in Eugene, Oregon, called John Henry's. And uh, they needed uh, the OLCC, the Oregon Liquor Control Commission, came in and said, you need a restaurant, you need a cook, or we're going to fucking pull your license. And so they they didn't have a kitchen. So technically, they're allowed to have a microwave. And as long as they had someone who wasn't the bartender who was working the microwave would be their cook, right? (laughs) Mm -hmm. So they would like sell like fucking pot pies and shit and then give them like fancy names and really talk them up and then just sell them like for a buck a piece or something and so they told me 
you don't have to even microwave shit, but we're going to pay you to come in and draw flyers for us for three hours. You can draw for three hours and we'll just pay you under the table like 40 bucks or something. Mm-hmm. And you don't even have to touch microwave. John Henry, the bartender, he'll microwave everything. We'll just, if OLCC comes in, you're our cook. But <laughs> literally, you're just sitting here drawing. And so I was like, rad. And then I thought I was going to fucking Donald Trump art of the deal, this motherfucker, and be like, tell you what, instead of giving me 40 bucks, just let me drink for free for three hours. Like, I can get way more than 40 bucks worth of booze out of you guys, you know? And uh, the guy realized that, mm-hmm. like, his overhead was so fucking crazy that he's like, yeah, okay. Because there's no way I could have sat and drank 40 bucks. Like, you know what I mean? Like, the literal what they paid 40 bucks for. Because a right. fifth is like, there's no way I was going to drink two fifths in three hours. I, no, I and even try. that. A fifth of Evan Williams try. is like eight bucks or something back right. then. And I, then they didn't have good bourbon. It's not like I was like, yeah, give me that Blanton's up there, you know, or the Woodford Reserve. They didn't have no Woodford Reserve. Their good bourbon was like Jim Beam, you mm-hmm. know? And even that shit was, you know, we know the price on that, but yeah. So even I was like a bar insider. I was like, well, I work at John Henry's. I don't know if you know, you know, but I, I'd be totally fucking blacked out by eight o'clock at night because my shift started at five, you know, and I <laughs> my shift. Yes, my shift. Right. I'd sit there with a sketchbook and draw like pictures of my roommate and then write the names of the bands on it. <laughs> you know it was like coda drawn as a mime and then it would have like all the names of the bands or it was just like they were like the worst it, they were like the worst fucking flyers i have some of them still but nice work man that's get it right and then i'd call my ex at eight and be like where the fuck are you at let's fucking get wild you know and like <sighs> yeah couldn't find my fucking hands by nine o'clock you know <clears throat> um speaking of coda real quick and our friend um i don't know if he listens or not but sometimes he does uh, I miss just, him. Hope he does. You should you should reach out to him. He just quit smoking cigarettes. Oh God, poor he's, guy. Is he's he, on the is vape he vaping? Train. Yeah, he's yeah. On the vape oh, train. now I gotta text him and be like, "What's up, vape nation? <laughs> Knew you're gonna be here eventually, dude. 420, bro." So he's really he was really proud. He was really stoked because he's like, "I just finally got to do it, and I did it, and it's done." Mm-hmm. So and I for the anybody listening who smokes or is thinking about quitting, and I trust me, I know how hard it is, and Jerry does too, and. I won't get into the whole, you know, there's history of vaping and why it was born and, you know, what the health department, I, I could, I could talk about it, but we don't need to. Yeah, um, it's not really, it's off topic, right? But, uh, but yeah, so you should, you should reach out to him. This is just a, just an aside. Yeah. Cause it's a bitch. I think, I think it's probably harder than quitting drinking. Cause I quit, I quit drinking and I was still smoking cigarettes Yeah. for like four or five months. Well, I smoked cigarettes for like the first 18 <clears throat> months sober. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I started vaping, but I was vaping before I quit drinking too, though. Mm. But I you was vaping, vaping and smoking. I would vape and then lose the vape because I was fucked up. So I start smoking again, then save up money and buy a new one, and then lose it again, or jump in a fucking pool with it in my pocket, and then go buy cigarettes. But they're not waterproof. Nah, man. Oh, not the new ones. I mean, why are you gonna vape underwater? That's like physically impossible. I don't know. It sounds like there's probably a YouTube channel on it. I don't know. I'll look it up. They're probably all Australian, <laughs> dude. <laughs> um, but I love the idea. So the other half of this, and I, I think um, when we talk about humility and right. getting to the gift of desperation and the humiliation that comes with all the things that we have done in our drinking careers um, was – it was huge. I mean when I my, – my sponsor was a very uh, mild-mannered – uh, older guy who um, was a he was a father he was a priest 
Um, and he did a couple. I don't know what exactly his church was. I know that he was an ordained Catholic preach, but priest, but at the time, like he was doing some other work with mentally ill people. And anyhow, it was really um, humbling to sit with him in his house, you know, and um, and just sit with him and read. And we would talk. And like there was this this thing that I would do every week, and and I would. Um, and I don't know if I'm breaking any, any, any things, but, um, like it was this, it was really an awesome thing. And so mm-hmm. there was a lot of humility that came with that because I basically had to go and say, I'm broken. I need help. I, mm-hmm. I can't fix myself and I don't know what to do. And I didn't know what to do. And I think of the level of like ignorance that I had and the level of fear that I had, you know, and like to finally get to the point because it was still another four months before i asked for help i thought i thought oh well i'll just go to the go to a meeting once a week and everything's fine and and that was not the case and so um the humility was really important and i think that that's something that i keep coming back to whenever i feel like i'm not when i feel like i'm getting feeling too good like i think it's great i love to feel good and I love right. to do things that make me feel good. But whenever I feel like, ah, I got this, can't get me, I always want to check myself. Now, right. do I really have it today? Have I done all the things? Not like I can't be, you know, I can't be overtaken by alcohol. But like, have I done all of the things that make me the strongest version of myself? The right. highest version of myself, you know, that bring me as close to my higher power as as I can be today. Right. And so when I've done all those things and then I can feel good and I don't have to worry about, I don't have to walk around with any sort of like, I don't know, sobriety swagger. If that sounds ridiculous. Sobriety (laughs) swag. I don't know. Let me introduce you to a couple of meme pages on Instagram. They'll show you all about yours. Once you had to unfollow. Yeah, dude. Uh, No modesty there. No, exactly. So, um, I think it's been a huge, an awesome tool to to be humble and to be says the guy with the microphone in front of his face but you know right. I mean, the the irony is not lost on me here but i i just it's it's really helpful and it's just to have that patience and acceptance and humility and to know that in those moments of stress when i'm out in the world and dealing with other people that like this ain't all about me man and then it's yeah. easy, it's easier to let it go you know yeah like, absolutely yeah yeah when, That's uh, that, that modesty is super important, dude. You know, because I think of humility, I think of like modesty, right? Like, mm-hmm. yeah, and I think that's super important because the, it's the actually it's the antithesis of the of, it's the opposite of fucking hubris. It really is, you know. It's like you have a lowered sense of self, and not in a negative way, just in a realistic way. You know, mm-hmm. you you stop becoming the center of the universe and realize that you are just a fucking extra. In somebody else's story, you know, mm-hmm. you're an extra. You're not even an extra in the world. The universe's story, you know. I mean, then I start getting hella deep on that shit. I'm set yeah. dressing. Woo! Not even set dressing, man. You're like <laughs> the little tape they have. You're not even that. But you know, the I'm tape the on the ground tape. to show you your mark. Yeah. Yeah. But but modesty is important because I feel like alcoholism, active alcoholism, is the opposite of modesty. I feel like it is all hubris. It is mm-hmm. all self-centered and ego, self-will run riot. You know, this mm-hmm. is where your best thinking got you. So now it's time to kind of try to 
kind of time to try to drop that best thinking. You know? mm -hmm. Yeah, because it's not working. It's not working. So and I don't know, though, because people do talk about humility. I hear it in meetings sometimes, and they, I think they do confuse it with like being humiliated which it, that is part of it that's the root of it you know but it's also like not just being embarrassed it's just having this to me it's having this version of yourself that you know realistically what you are you know mm -hmm. like dude um, i'm not better than any of the drunks out there especially active alcoholics people still drinking i'm not better than that guy i just figured my sh i didn't even just figure my shit out that's not even the right way to put it the only difference between me and that guy is that I don't drink and I'm trying to help myself. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? In a different way. Yeah. And ultimately help somebody else. You know? Yeah, hopefully. Yeah. Yeah. So and it yeah. and it doesn't I guess it doesn't matter if you if you drink or not or have a problem or not. I mean, I feel right. like I feel like these these things, these ideas, these concepts to to use them as tools in your life is not it's not a bad thing. I mean, it's, right. it's a pretty good no, thing. No, it's a good thing. You know what? The, you know what? Now I think about it. The difference between me and that guy who's the same night that lady yelled at me, nice hair. I walked back out and there's a guy in basketball shorts on his phone, fucking drunk, yelling at his girlfriend, just yelling at her in the alley behind the bar, just having this knockdown drag out fight. It wasn't even dark yet. It was like 830. <laughs> right. Mm -hmm. And I was like, damn, dude, I've fucking been there. Like, good luck on that, you know? But I, I realize the only difference between me and that guy is that I'm in remission right now. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Like, I feel like I'm in remission. He's still sick. I'm sick, too. I just happen to not be as sick right now. Do you know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? So, like, I have to – all I can do is be super grateful and be like, yeah, right now my fucking alcoholism is in remission. And, you know, if anybody asks me, how'd you get, how'd you get it? How'd you manage it? I'm like, well, this is what I did. And it wasn't me who really managed it. I mean, I managed some of it. I made those opening steps, but the rest, I left it all up to whatever's out there, you know, mm -hmm. and the people around me, I stole their ideas. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, yeah. I uh, there's so many things I have I have to I wish I I should consolidate them, but I'll I'll constantly I'll hear something and I'll pull my phone out and like type it in my notes. Yeah. And, are you doing? Um, you're not doing that in meetings, are you? Yeah. Are you? Oh yeah. shit! <laughs> you just all tick 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 tick. I have the, the it's off. I have the uh, the sound off. But like, I mean, people are always busting their phones out. Not that yeah, I they be, are. Yeah. Not that I want to be one of those people who's fucking. Play playing with angry friends. birds through the whole fucking preamble yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um something when something strikes me i'm like and maybe i should just get a fucking notebook right right and, just, and a pen no i'm the phone's but, fine too i just i just pictured you in the back making tick ticking tick, noises tick, 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 yeah, and it cracked me up <laughs> but uh but you know so I'll, I'll i'll hear something and i'm like that's really good i need to keep that i need to think about that i need to yeah find a way yeah. to use that and find a way yeah. to remember that and so we need to share those things with each other that's yes. why i think it's important we go sit in those church basements we yes. can share those fucking things with each other mm -hmm. right and all the other stuff is for me is like not in the front seat right now you know i think that's that's something too that um humility uh in sharing with other alcoholics, whether whether it be in a meeting or otherwise, part mm -hmm. of what keeps me from sharing is that I mean I don't know if it's hubris or feeling like a lot of it is insecurity, but but it's also the insecurity comes from being self centered because like oh I gotta I gotta protect myself and I can't I can't put something out there because what if 
I'm too special and I'm too precious to put myself out there because if I get destroyed, everything will be awful. And right. then when I realize I need to share this because it's more important than I am, because sharing this to a group of people who I may never see again or see once a week or don't know how they're going to take it or who may need it desperately right now, it's bigger than me. So I better fucking share it because right. it's it's not it's not about me. And so I yeah. think that that's kind of how I feel about it now when I get it in my head that I want to say something. And um, sometimes I don't. I'm just like sitting there and I'm like, oh, I'm waiting for my turn, waiting for my turn. And then oh, I don't want to follow the guy who got a lot of laughs because, you know, and it's like, <laughs> get, you know what I mean? Like yeah. those stupid thoughts. Right. It's like stop those mm -hmm. stupid thoughts, John, because it's bigger than you. It's more important than just than your feeling at that moment. Yeah. That's all it is, right? It's just my mm -hmm. one feeling at that one moment. Fucking set dressing. Set dressing, dude. <laughs> so R ranch dressing. Yeah. Ranch dressing. Thousand Island yeah. dressing. Thousand Island. That, this is not gluten. Is not your problem, yeah, man. Exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it's it's. I think that that's that's a huge thing to realize, and it's something that's really helped me stay sober. And and just live better. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Dude, yeah. I'm like the worst sharer, dude. I like rarely share. I've been sharing a little bit more at this one group I've been going to, but like my voice shakes. Everybody I, I even have like a little setup. I'm gonna say something humorous. Just so everybody doesn't think I'm a fucking asshole. Mm -hmm. My voice is shivering the whole time. I do the little I don't know why I'm doing the setup. Just say what you're feeling, Jerry. I'm like, yeah, but what I'm feeling right now is I'm freaking the fuck out. That's what I'm feeling. You know, like for some reason, like even when I open up my mouth and start saying my name, like my brain's like, what are you doing, dude? You could have just played it cool and sat back here. And now you got to fucking make everybody look at you like, mm -hmm. fuck. Uh, yeah, I'm the worst at it. And it's funny because I get on this podcast with you and we're just friends. So I can talk to you for a fucking hour and. Mm hmm. And and tell you tell you exactly how I'm feeling about shit because this is how all of our conversation even when we were drinking we'd have conversations like this you know but mm -hmm. like you get me in that room dude and it's like eight fucking sixty year old women and a bunch of seventy year old dudes <laughs> like one fucking you know twenty five year old dude over there and I'm just like ugh my name is Jerry and I'm a fucking train wreck you know like yeah but they they know, might man. need to hear that fresh whatever you got to say because Absolutely, they've been listening right? to each other right. talk for the last fucking 40 years saying and like, this you know and how many times am i going to hear someone say that same yeah. fucking thing they always say but they have to say it because the new person may not hear may not know that that's what we do or that's what you need to do or that's what may may help not what we do but what may help but yeah, and you're right. It is a lot of hubris, too. And it is a lot of ego involved in it. And I think you and I both, I don't know, maybe you and I both being like some minor performers, it like, you know what I mean? Like not wanting to follow the guy who gets the laughs and being like, wanting to Man. be, wanting to, yeah, wanting to perform well rather than just sharing my feelings. Sharing your feelings, of, yeah. Which is another, it's a whole other level. And it's just a whole other stress that I put on myself because, yeah wanting to wanting to perform wanting to be perceived as as put together and all that kind of right. stuff you know and right it's like I, it's like that scene in pulp fiction where you know marcellus wallace is talking to uh talking to butch talking to bruce willis and he's like yeah you're gonna feel that sting in the back of your head that's pride, pride. yeah it's pride fuck pride fuck pride dude that's pride fucking with you and i don't, I don't know because that might be a messy analogy because 
I don't know where exactly that fits in with sobriety, but um, and you shouldn't take the fall at the fight. I don't know for money. It's it, but see, it's it doesn't really work, but it doesn't work. But that's all right. We're cool. We're Gen <laughs> X. We remember Pulp Fiction. Speaking of which, I just saw Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and was it good? It was long. Oh, really? Hard sigh. I like long movies, so. Well, you might like it. I I thought I thought I the know. payoff was really awesome. Like. I think I, liked, I already know the payoff, but we'll discuss that in our movie I podcast. Don't, yeah, I'm not I'm not trying to ruin it for anybody. I just felt like sometimes I feel speaking of hubris, and I don't know the man and I can't say, but I feel like sometimes people in certain get to a certain level in their career and nobody will say no to them. And nobody can right. say no to them. And so they're allowed to just do whatever they want. And I feel like sometimes the art suffers because of the hubris. Man, that is a scathing review. <laughs> Once upon a time in Hollywood here. Hot takes on the A is for Alcoholic podcast. Um, I'll have to watch it. I haven't seen it yet. I thought it was well acted. Leonardo DiCaprio. Oh, man. So there's a scene. And speaking of, of alcoholics and alcoholism, there's the scene of him on the set of the Western movie in the trailer that was fucking heart-wrenching and was so true and I felt so much. And that was, in my mind, the best scene, the the best acting and the best scene in the entire movie. And I was just like, I was kind of like a little choked up because I was like, I've been there, you know? And he's like, yeah. he'd fucked up his lines. I'm not, again, I'm not ruining anything in the movie, but this is a great part of the, of the movie. And he's like, he fucked up his lines and he goes back. He's like, you fucking piece of shit. You need to fucking know you're, you go out there and you look like an idiot and you knew these lines. And he's like, yeah. he's like, you need to quit drinking. And like two seconds later, he pulls out the flask and he's like drinking from the flask, like right after yeah. he's saying he needs to quit drinking. Mm-hmm. And then he throws yeah. it, he throws it out the trailer and smashes the window. And I think he runs back out to get the flask again. And it's this whole thing. And he's fucking yeah. yelling at himself in the mirror and like his performance through the whole thing and with the alcoholism and the insecurity and being this super like movie star in the movie in the in the in the in the universe of the movie and like being right. this failing this failing movie star was awesome so that part i loved i loved his storyline i loved his character i really felt for him so i don't want it to just be that my critique was a big sigh and it was too long Right. There are good parts to this long ass <laughs> awful movie. Um but getting back to the point at hand, uh, you know, hubris bad and humility good. Right. Treat yourself good, man. Mm-hmm. Don't don't get your head too big, find your right size. And what a, that's what that's a what I tell myself. That's my motto to me. Yeah. Listener, you do what you gotta do, just don't what feel do you like say? shit about it. What, my motto? Yeah, what's your motto again? What I just said, it just sounded oh. like a call to action where I was just like, you know, treat yourself good and make sure you're your right size. And yeah. Let's not all start sucking each other's dicks yet, you know? <laughs> Wait, is that that's from Pulp Fiction too? That is from Pulp Fiction. Yeah. yeah. The first yeah. thing I said was just some Jerry thing I said out loud into a microphone. But it's it's a relief to not have that hubris. It's a relief. Yeah, I think so. I would I would hope I don't have it the way I used to. I mean, no, I don't feel it. like I do. You know, I have to ask my wife to check me a lot. Like I sit with her and I'm like, you check me. Like if and I might get mad. Like if you check me and I get embarrassed, like I'll tell mm-hmm. you, wow, I'm embarrassed. I look like an a- I feel like I look like an asshole, just to me and you here in this room. You know. Mm-hmm. 
Like she yeah. checked me on something the other day and it like pissed me off. And so I had to like talk to her about it. And then while I'm talking to her, I'm, you know what, man? I was like, I'm just going to be fucking honest with you. Like you came out and acted a certain way. And it really made me feel very embarrassed about the way I was acting because the way I was acting was I was being a fucking asshole. Yeah. And you called me on it and it was embarrassing. So I immediately got mad at you, you know, like, and mm-hmm. so now I, now I realize that I, that was like fucking super inappropriate. Like me being that upset about whatever I was upset about, you know? Yeah. 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 Nowadays when we argue, I'm just flat out honest. I'm just like, this hurts my feelings because I'm not getting my way. <laughs> like, I, what else am I going to do? Like, that's, it's, it's a better way, it's a better way to do it, you know? Things, you know? I, it's, it's a better yeah. way to do it. You just give, yeah. you give into that and you're like, it hurts my feelings because I don't get my way. And then, right. And so my feelings aren't even hurt. I'm just inconvenienced. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So now I need to contend with that. So, well. whoops. My bad. My bad, dog. <laughs> well, I will, um, humbly ask to uh end this podcast yeah say thank you jerry (laughs) yeah thanks john and we'll do this again next week thanks again for listening our music as always is by neglect you can find more of his stuff at neglect.bandcamp.com and you can find us on all social media platforms that matter instagram facebook and twitter and you can reach us at a is for alcoholic at gmail.com talk to you later Yeah.